Sunday. Well, today we're going to finish up our series uh, called Audacious. We have been talking about audacious prayer. We have been talking about living out audacious faith. It's been a, it's been a powerful powerful series. I know that I've grown. I know the Holy Spirit has really been convicting me uh, to be more audacious in my prayer life. I know the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me about living more audaciously, the plan and the design that God has for me. And I trust that that has been true for you as well. Last week, we left off with this idea uh, that we said this, audacious prayer aligns this reality. Another one, in other words, the reality that we're living in. Audacious prayer aligns this reality with what is already true about you. And that's important to understand. There are some things that are true about you, at least those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. There's some things that God's word says about us. Because as we talked about in this series, audacity really can go one of two ways. There could be what, what I would call a holy audacity, and there, then there could be a fleshly audacity. And, and we all know audacious people uh, who are, are audacious out of their flesh. And what we've been talking about is really a, a holy audacity, a, a, a way of praying audaciously and living audaciously based on what is true, what is God's word. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29 says this, So in Christ Jesus, you are, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You know, we could take... We could take those comparisons and we could apply them to our, our lives right here, uh, right now today. There's neither black nor white. There's neither Indian or Caucasian. There's, you could go through all, there's neither rich nor poor. All the things that, that in our mind are frameworks in which we classify ourselves and classify others and create standards and barriers. What, what Paul is saying is, listen, all of those things fall down in Christ Jesus. He says, listen, if you belong to Christ, then you all, all of you, all of you, no matter your race, no matter your socioeconomic status, no matter your education, no matter where you come from, your nationality, if you are in Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. See, every one of us, every one of us are heirs according to the promise. In other words, our faith journey is rooted in a promise. My, my faith journey isn't rooted in the fact that I'm a, a white guy from the southern part of the United States. That's not, that's not my identity. My identity now as a Christ follower is that I am by faith the seed of Abraham. And just like you, you may be a black guy from Durban, South Africa. That's not your identity anymore. Your identity now as a follower of Jesus Christ is that just like me, we may look differently on the outside, but just like me, we are all, we are all, we are all heirs of the promise. We are all seed of Abraham. See, you can live audaciously. I can live audaciously because we share in the promise. And that promise goes all the way back to God's word that he gave to Abraham. During this series, we have been exploring 
praying audacious prayer and living out audacious faith. We looked at three different stories of audaciousness and, and also noticed some highlights. Very quickly, I want to I wanna walk through those. The first week we looked at Jehoshaphat and, and a very practical pattern of praying audacious prayer. If, if you haven't been with us in this series, you can always go to Facebook or YouTube and you can download or watch the messages from before. If you missed any of the messages in the series, I would certainly encourage you to go back and listen to week one, we talked, about, we talked about the fact that praying audacious prayers requires that we don't overreact to our circumstances because we know who we are. See, what often happens is our circumstances creates a framework through which we try to express our faith, and that derails many of us. Well, as we think about the last year, um, someone pointed out to me yesterday that, that it was a year ago, basically, that the first case of COVID was announced here in South Africa, and it, and it happened to be in KZN. And I, I think about how much of our life, especially because of my interest as a pastor, how much of our spiritual journey has been derailed in the last 12 months because of our circumstances, in other words, we've allowed our circumstances to define who we are and what we believe instead of, allowing what, instead of allowing who we are and what we believe to speak to our circumstances. Does that make sense? There's a, it's just as if, it's as if you flip it. Many of us, we take our circumstances and we inform our faith based on our circumstances. But as children of the promise, it's the other way around. As children of the promise, our faith, the promise that we live in as seed of Abraham, has to inform our circumstances. We cannot over. React. The second week, we looked at Elijah to understand that audacious prayer isn't a one-time event. It's often a process. God took uh, Elijah through a process. It was a three-year process of really birthing uh, an, uh, an incredible miracle. Audacious prayer may culminate in birthing moments, but it is accomplished through audaciously living out the process God has you in. We use sort of that concept of giving birth, and we all know that uh, between the time a baby is conceived and the baby is born, there's a long time, and all the women said amen. Hello? There's a, there's a process that goes through. It's a very practical way of understanding. In Elijah's case, there was a three-year process. And even along the way of that three-year process, there were many miracles that happened. But there were also discouragement and difficulties that happened. But it was a process. Living audaciously, praying audacious prayer takes us to a place that we understand we are in a process. We learned uh, several unique things during that story of Elijah as he prayed this audacious prayers. But one of those things that we learned in that story when he came to the place of, of, of praying down fire from heaven at this real, uh, real kind of apex moment in the story, there was this interesting thing that he did. He took 12 stones and he rebuilt the altar of the Lord using 12 stones. And, and I didn't have a lot of time to go into it in detail, but this 
this, um, this process of using stones, especially throughout the history of Israel, uh, was, was, was used over and over again. And those stones, specifically those 12 stones, represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And this concept of memory stones was something that was normal uh, in the life of the Israelites. And, and, and we pointed that out because I wanted you to see that there's a connection there's a connection between the promises of God coming to pass in our here and now and the promises of God that have been declared over all of humanity throughout all of time. In other words, the promises that you and I have on a personal level are directly connected to, or, or, or better said, it's a direct um, demonstration of the collective promises that God has made through humanity. So when Elijah got up there and prayed down fire from heaven, he was basing this prayer in his moment on a commitment or a promise that God had made to his people that it went throughout all of time. See, audacious prayers are built on the promises of God. You and I have to understand that. Audacious prayers aren't built on me getting what I want. Audacious prayers aren't built on me manipulating God into being my Santa Claus and giving me what makes me feel good. Audacious prayers aren't built on, uh, on, on twisted theology. or it's not, it's not built on Christian New Age. It's not built on synchronizing uh, uh, what, what the Bible says with what our traditional belief systems are. Audacious prayers aren't built on me getting having a get rich scheme or a get rich plan no that's that's garbage that's nonsense audacious prayers prayers that are truly audacious are built on the promises of God what his word has said to us this morning I want us to look in Joshua on that concept some more of stones I want you to see that Joshua chapter 4 I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 to you it says this when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israel to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. I made a statement earlier in this series. I wanted to come back to it because really I've been building to this, this concept. Every prayer, every audacious prayer has a stone. What is that stone? That stone is a promise. See, every prayer has a stone and every promise has a name. 
God is, is an intentional God. Everything that he does is intentional. And this concept of memorial stones really was built into the culture of the Israelites. It was something that they practiced. You can trace it all the way back to the beginning as you, as you read scripture, this idea of setting up memorial stones. When God would move among his people, when he would show up and do a miraculous sign, they would get a stone, they would set up that stone, and they'd say, this is a memorial to what God has done in this moment. And God took this concept that was very similar, or it was, very, it was something they were very familiar with. And when they were crossing over the Jordan, he instructed them in the flow of their culture to take a stone, one for each tribe of Israel. Why is that important? It's because each tribe is an expression of the promise, the promise going all the way back to Abraham that we talked about last Sunday, where God said, I'm going to bless you, and through your seed, I'm going to reveal my glory throughout all of the earth. Are you with me? See, we're collectively as North Place Church building a, a biblical theology together. I'm, I'm not just giving you feel-good stuff this morning. We're, we're building a vocabulary and a language together. God had made a promise to Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless the nation. So every preacher that gets up and talks about be blessed, be blessed, be blessed, it has a context. And the context is this. The context is the promise that goes all the way back to Abraham where God says, listen, Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless the nations. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you so that you might be a blessing, not so you can drive a Mercedes Benz. There's nothing wrong with having Mercedes Benz. That would be great if you all did but it wasn't just so we could have leather heated seats and cooled seats and and we could wear nice clothes and have a nice house that wasn't what it was all about it was all about God revealing his glory so every time his people would have a moment in which God showed up and did something amazing, they would get one of these stones and they would set it up. And the reason they set it up is because they wanted people to see and know the story of the glory of God. Not the story of the glory of Randy, but the story of the glory of God. God showed up. He made a promise to us and he fulfilled that promise. The fascinating thing about this moment in which they go across the Jordan is that it is a rev it is a reminiscent of when they came out of Egyptian bondage and they crossed over the Red Sea. Do you remember that? See, often over and over and over again throughout scripture, we see these patterns of God doing these things among his people. And so every time he said, listen, every time your children are enjoying the blessing of the promised land, they must not forget that to get to the promised land, there was a Red Sea. To get to the promised land, there was a Jordan River. And throughout all of that process, God was involved. He did it because he's showing his might and his glory among the nations. Here's the thing that is so interesting about this, and, and it's also a propensity of God's people, is God had to consistently tell them, hey, don't set up idols, don't worship false gods, don't set up idols before me, don't worship the creation, don't worship these other things, worship me. What often happens along the way is people set up memorial stones, and if the story of God isn't repeated and the story of God isn't told, oftentimes those memorial stones become idols. Oftentimes memorial stones that are set up become places in which we worship our ancestors instead of worshiping the God of our ancestors. Woo! That's some good preaching right there for us living in South Africa. Hello? 
We get the story twisted and we worship and we pray to our ancestors instead of worshiping and praying to the God of our ancestors. That's why we see in biblical literature the language that says, may the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob show up for me today in the same way that he showed up for my forefathers because the story of God, the story is the story of God. It's not the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The memorial stone isn't there to point me to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The memorial stone is there to point me to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, we as God's people must understand that we can live audaciously. We can pray audaciously. We can audaciously step into all that God has for us, the blessings that God has promised to us, not because of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but because of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And every memorial stone in our life, every story that we have, every promise that we cling to, it isn't about us and it isn't for our glory, but it is about the Lord. See, every prayer has a stone. Every promise has a name. And yes, we call those names. Yes, we tell those stories. But that name represents the process or the person through which God was wanting to or did show or reveal his glory on the earth. These stones were not there to bring glory to man. They were there to point man to the glory of God. What are you trying to tell us, Pastor Randy? I'm trying to tell you this. We are people who have been called to live audaciously and pray audacious prayers. But as we pray audacious prayers, they are not about us. They are about God. It is easy to replace our stories about God with stories about man. It is easy for us to change the hero in the story. It's easy for us to become confused of what the stone is all about and the story is all about. But we as God's people can live audaciously and pray audaciously when we keep our eyes on who the story is all about, on what the stone is all about, on what the promise truly is represents audacious faith is a cooperative process between man and God but it is through God's power and for God's glory on the earth that you and I pray these prayers and declare God's word I want you to hear me today the word of God is irrefutable that makes his power irrepressible and his promises irresistible Throughout my family's um, personal devotion time over the last several weeks, we've been reading about we've been reading about uh, our forefathers. We've been reading about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and um, we've been we're getting a lot of laughs out of those guys' lives recently at just some of the crazy stuff they did. I want to encourage you, I I said this last week, during your daily 20 this week, I would really encourage you, go back to Genesis. This is a good time to do it. We're still in the first quarter of the year. Go back to Genesis and read those stories of our spiritual forefathers. I mean, these guys, we we put them up, we paint them as heroes, and and in many ways, uh, they did heroic things, but these guys did some crazy, crazy things that God never asked them to do. I mean, when you look at some of the sin that they committed, it was atrocious. And when I read these stories of these men who committed atrocious sins, 
I mean, God made him a promise and said, hey, through this wife, I'm going to, and we read about it. We talked about it in the series. Through this wife, I'm going to birth a seed and I'm going to bless the nations. And, and when they became impatient, they just took a slave wife and, and really wasn't even a wife and, and, and made love to her and had a child and, and said, okay, God, well, you weren't coming through on this thing. So I just had this substitution uh, child and you blessed them. And, 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 it, and it messed up so much. It hurt so many people. It created a cycle and a pattern of wound and chaos in people's life. And yet, in spite of that, in spite of that ugly, ugly stuff, the story of man is the story of God faithfully accomplishing his promise through people who just kept messing up. Why are you saying this to us, Pastor? Why are you, why are you telling us this? I'm telling you this because I want you to understand God's word is irrefutable. His power is irrepressible, and his promises are irresistible. Even when we mess up, even when we reject him, even when we take things into our own hands, God is still at work. Even when one generation walks away from God, he will raise up another generation after him, after them who will respond to him. God is always moving. We can pray audacious prayers and live out audacious faith because we have a guarantee. That guarantee isn't based on our response. It's not based on our grit. It isn't based on who we are or what we've done. We have a guarantee, and that guarantee is that God himself is faithful over his word. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 and 22 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you to stand firm in Christ. I love these words from Paul, and I really want to end today's message with, with this. You go and you read First Corinthians or Second Corinthians, and where Paul is writing, he's he's wanted to go to the church at Corinth and and really uh, speak to them. And as he's making plans to go to them, things things are just not going well, and he keeps his plan keeps getting thwarted. In other words, he he can't get there. Stuff happens. And God has spoken to him, and he feels called to go to them, and he's made them a promise that he's going to go to them. He, he's wrote to them and said, hey, I'm going to come to you, but his plans aren't working out. And he's writing this letter, and he's, there's a lot of reasons for 2 Corinthians, but, but we've talked about it before. I mean, they're a church that's messed up. They've got a lot of problems, just like every church, because churches are full of people, and people got problems, right? So he's writing this letter to correct these problems, and, but he's also writing to say, sorry, guys. Plans aren't really working out the way that I thought they were going to work out. And that hurts. It hurts me and it's hurting you. And as he's sort of writing this and setting up this letter, and he's going to have to deal with some difficult things, he starts it out by kind of establishing this really beautiful theological truth, which is this. Promises of God, what God says he's going to do, Hey, may not work out how we think it's going to work or when we think it's going to work. But in Christ, his promises 
are yes and amen. Nothing can stop them because God's word is irrevocable. It's irrevocable. No one can change what God said he was going to do, not even you. I mean, Randy can be like Abraham, can take things into his own hands, can totally screw stuff up. And when God says, Abraham, through your seed, I'm going to bless the nations, guess what? The nations are going to get blessed through the seed of Abraham. Even when Abraham's a train wreck. That's because God's word is what's irrefutable. His power is irrepressible. I can resist it. I can walk away from it. I can deny it. But ultimately, his, his power is irresistible. I, one generation can totally walk away from him. He'll raise up another generation. He's going to do what he's going to do. Paul says in the church of Corinth, you know, we can, we can battle these things that are keeping me from coming and all of this stuff. But I don't want you to be shaken. I, maybe I can't come. I don't want you to be shaken God's power is greater than whatever this resistance is that we're facing right now. He says, listen, I, I want you to understand what, what God has promised is irresistible. In spite of human energy, in spite of the attack of the enemy, it's irresistible. It's going to come to pass. So, Corinthian church, you may be discouraged right now. But be audacious in your faith. Be audacious in your prayer. Because in spite of what we face, even in spite of you, God is still God. And the reason I know he's still God and the reason I know he's still at work is not because of us, but because in Christ Jesus, the yes and the amen has been declared. The work has been made complete because of Jesus. For those of you who are joining us online or if you're here this morning, I want to take a moment and I want to pray for you. Because I know, we've said it during this series, I know many of us, although we're in a, in a season as a church in which we have received this incredible miracle collectively, kind of like the children of Israel and the Jordan River. And it's one of those situations. To me, it's like Red Sea parting, Jordan River parting moments. And you better believe it, we're going to set up some memorial stones because we've got a story to tell collectively of what the Lord has done. But in, in this moment in which the Lord has collectively done this incredible miracle for us, individually many of us are in that place of discouragement much like Paul and the church of Corinth could have been because things weren't working out how they had planned and this tension between this collective miracle and individual struggle is real for many of us in this room and so I want to pray for you that in the same way that that Paul said let the reality of Christ Jesus and what he's done for you, let it sink into your heart and overcome whatever discouragement you may be feeling. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those who are online. If you would, just close your eyes for a moment. 
If you're joining us online and you would like prayer, just type prayer into the comment section. As I pray this morning, our prayer team would love to connect with you and pray with you. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for this series of messages. God, my notes have been just so much, and I, I felt so inadequate to express all of the things that, that I believe you've put inside of me for this series of messages. Lord, there's been so many layers to it, and, and, and the truth is it's just a demonstration of our, my weakness, the weakness of our flesh. What I am utterly dependent upon right now is that, Holy Spirit, you will cause the words that we have talked about and shared over the last several weeks to become rhema, living word. Holy Spirit, beyond my ability to speak and teach, I, I ask you right now, to cause the word of God to become alive inside of people. You know exactly where people are. And, and this tension between our collective miracle and moment of, a, of setting up a memorial stone because you've, you've parted the Red Sea, you've parted the Jordan River. That tension between that and our perhaps individual discouragement that we're dealing with right now. Lord, I ask you that this simple truth that in Christ Jesus, the promise is yes and amen. Because Christ Jesus is the promise and his work on the cross is complete and perfect. And Lord, anyone who's here today or watching online that's dealing or battling discouragement or feeling like they're so far away from the promises of God that right now the truth of the complete work of Jesus Christ would be revealed to them in their spirit and draw them into a place of audacious, bold confidence and faith, not in themselves, but in you, Lord, because of who you are, because of what you've done, and because your promises are true. Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.